Two Humorous Nurses would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record the podcast, the Yorty Ordination. We pay our respects to the Elders past and present and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who are listening today. Always was, always will be. This episode is brought to you by Nursley, Comfy AF Compression Socks. Take the time to take care of yourself and your patients one pair of socks at a time. Head to www.nurslystore.com to check out the fun range. Two Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Alicia. The podcast that loves the drama. Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing. We are back with some murderous nurseresses. Should we jump right in? Nurseresses. <laughs> I was trying to make it rhyme. Mine is huge. Like I, I just, it took so long and I was right in there. Like I, oh, it's crazy. What have it's you crazy. got? Uh, <laughs> I've got a Scottish... Weirdo. No. <laughs> so I've got Colin Norris, <laughs> born 12th of February 1976, to his namesake father, who was a painter, decorator, and his mother, June, who worked as a typist. Um, he was an only child and his parents divorced when he was nine years old. Oh, he there's very... the trauma. Oh, boom, straight on. <laughs> uh, he saw very little of his father after the divorce and his mother remarried four years later. He was very close to his grandmother who still to this day refuses to believe that he could have committed the murders of four elderly women. Well, look, Ted Bundy's mum still loves him. I mean, someone. Actually, she's probably dead. Yeah. (laughs) Norris served as a Boy Scout, and these aren't my words, this is what was written in the newspaper article, but um, helped to look after mentally handicapped people while also becoming involved in amateur dramatics. He's one of my folk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, secondary school, he passed his um, Scottish equivalent of the like GCS or whatever mm-hmm. we do here. Uh, before yeah. Yeah, HST. TEE was when I GCS? was GCS. GCS. <laughs> I don't know. It was a long time since I was at school. Shit. <laughs> uh, anyway, he passed everything and then he went to college to study travel. Um, he left the course after a year to work in a travel agency and then decided at 22 he was going to be a nurse. Oh, my gosh. Um, he made the career switch because you get to deal with people and you get to make a difference in their lives. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Of course he did. Well, he's not wrong. He wasn't wrong. No. <laughs> I mean, you can do that as a travel agent too. Just he should have deal stuck with, with it. people, put them on the flights and that you know are going to crash. Is that yeah. what, and make a difference <laughs> to their lives? <laughs> um, his college record, nursing college record, was very average. It was noted that he was quick to anger and often had aggressive confrontations with tutors and later his employees. Mm. Employers. Um, his behaviour at the University of Dundee was um, described as unacceptable. But despite all of that, he qualified in June of 2001 and began to work as a nurse in Leeds. Oh, my Um, God. 
Yeah, he was quick to cause trouble and fall out with like authority figures and senior staff and he refused to work with the elderly, saying that he didn't want to work with that type of person and he preferred the trauma work. He later admitted to police that he found elderly patients challenging and struggled to bathe elderly female patients because he couldn't get used to the smells. (laughs) (laughs) Who gets used to the smells? Like they still stink sometimes. Uh, And, I mean, there are worse smells. There are way worse smells. (laughs) And you can wash it away. (laughs) He's like, you stink, Um, dead. Yeah. (laughs) He was funny, but not anger. funny. No, no, yeah, yeah. funny, not funny. <laughs> funny, not funny. He was quick to anger by the smallest action made by elderly patients. And um, during his training, he actually refused to attend placements in nursing homes and often called in sick. <laughs> and yes, he's still qualified. Fucking hell. Fucking asshole. Um, I, do you know, he, just a side note, I remember yeah. one of my lecturers like telling us. We will drag you across the line. I literally oh. remember that quote. Yeah. Like not she didn't tell me that. But like I feel collectively like, the group. I feel like back in two thousand and one as well was like when there was a big staffing crisis. Globally. Yeah, back then, like really bad. And the G like the global financial like there was just lots of the shit GFC. happening back yeah. Now nah, that was later. No, that was, Actually, yeah. that was 2010. But, um, yeah, I do remember that there was like a big push in, in nursing back then. So maybe they were just like, whatever, you know. Yeah. He'll be right. Yeah. So he graduated in, um, yeah, 2001 and got a job as a staff nurse at Leeds General Infirmary. Mm-hmm. Infirmary? Is that a massive hospital? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Leeds is a pretty big town, isn't it? I don't know, never been there. Um, (laughs) uh, He was, yeah, so in October 2001 and then began his like six-month killing spree. Well, actually it was close to a year. Wow. Um, Just a little backstory. He was openly gay and had a thick Scottish accent. He wore black brim glasses and was known to duck out via the fire escape for a cigarette on night shift. (laughs) So maybe he was having a post-kill ciggy instead of a resource ciggy. (laughs) (laughs) um he also had some petty theft charges and had assisted a colleague to steal drugs from the hospital but was caught (laughs) of course he didn't lose his job (laughs) so like he had issues from the get-go yeah yeah of course yeah I feel like these ones they always have like there are other little crimes that kind of are under their belt already before they start killing people yeah but it's not like they've Righto. been charged with armed robbery. Like it's not like they step no. up. It's not like they, they slowly step up. It's like petty theft kill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. Pan it old, boom, gone. Um, anyway, let's get to the good stuff. Let's the do it. Bad stuff. The bad know. stuff. So May 2nd, 2002, Vera Wilby, 90-year-old, was admitted for a broken hip post-fall at home and she deteriorates post-surgical repair on may 17th so like two weeks later norris administers a large dose of morphine to mrs wilby which makes her drowsy and then he gives her high dose of insulin 90 minutes after his shift is over she's found semi-conscious with a hypoglycemic attack she survives and they suggest that was because she had abnormally high bsl anyway okay so she she actually was 
transferred to a nursing home a couple of months later and then died a year after that, um, yeah. not not related to this. Sure. Um, but she's part of the – I included her because she's actually part of what they charged him with. Sure. Um, then in June 2002, two elderly ladies are admitted both with fractured hips for repair. Mrs Ludlam is 80 and is given um, by Norris an unnecessary dose of morphine and then a high dose of insulin just prior to him leaving his shift. Um, of course, he works night shift, naturally. Right, yeah. Um, she's found 40 minutes after in an altered um, coma state and passes away. Good. Mrs Burke, 88, um, also sustained a bleed in her brain post her fall with a fractured hip, mm. uh, but had got through the surgery fine and was doing quite well was found by Norris as he claims slumped in her bed. She was deeply unconscious and doctors found that this was due to a hypoglycemia, not a stroke, um, despite Mrs Burke not being diabetic. She does recover. um, Sorry, she never recovers from this and dies 24 hours later. However, her death certificate states stroke as the cause. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. Maybe he took some leave, but anyway, we had to October in 2002. <laughs> so what's we that? Had, so that's May, then two in June, and then he has a bit of a rest. And then a little break. Right. Yeah. Irene Crooks. Oh, actually, there are many deaths that were investigated as part of his um, yep. investigation of deaths in this hospital, like over 80, but they could only really attribute these particular ones to him. So maybe he did others, but we just don't know about them. Sure, yeah. Irene Crooks, um, 79, fractured hip. I guess he's on an orthopedic ward (laughs) for repair. (laughs) Um, Norris cares for her over several shifts, states in his documentation that she's improving. However, she remains unwell on oxygen and is short of breath um, throughout the whole time. A week later, Norris finds her totally unresponsive. Again, you guessed it, hypoglycemic, <laughs> not diabetic, um, and she dies a day later. I don't understand. So hang on. The first few, he's nursed them all night and then chooses to kill them as he's leaving. Yeah. Right? Or try to kill them as he's leaving. Like, yep. <laughs> It just seems like yep. redundant or something like, and then this one he's trying to kill on his shift and creating all this extra work for himself. Yeah, yep, exactly. <laughs> um, in the next month, so November two thousand and two, we've got Ethel Hall, eighty six, admitted for a fractured hip and surgical repair, which goes well, and she's recovering well, walking with assistance. Um, Mrs. Hall has an unexpected fainting spell. And a day later, she takes a turn for the worst in the early hours of the morning and staff find her choking. She's found to have a very, very low blood sugar and blood tests show an abnormally high level of insulin. Uh, Mm. Earlier in the evening, Norris had predicted a change in her medical condition, telling the other staff, whenever I do night shift, someone always dies. It's always in the early morning that things go wrong. Oh. Uh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The other, the other thing is like with the other lady, he's he's saying, oh, she's getting better in his notes yeah. but then dies. Like why would you do yep. that? That doesn't I make know. any sense. Yeah. Um. So in December, December 6th, the police have been asked to investigate um, these deaths. Mm. 
a December 11, Mrs. Hall dies. Um, so that's uh, like a, a week or so after mm. um, of irreversible brain damage after never regaining consciousness. God. So during the police investigation, Norris tells police that he seems to have been very unlucky over the last 12 months but denies murdering anybody. He was arrested on December 11th, 2002, when um, so he was bailed and then he moved back to Glasgow. Oh. Uh, he worked for an events company and travelled abroad eight times while under investigation. What? <laughs> I just... Blows my mind what they get away with, hey. Um, he was suspended by the Royal College of Nursing the day after he was arrested, so they took away his licence, thankfully. Doesn't mean uh, he can't, like, still kill people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the Detective Chief Superintendent, Chris Gregg, said that his arrogance was astonishing. He thought he could get away with murder. Each time we asked him a, a question, he just simply evaded it. And it was as if he was saying, you can't prove a thing. Oh, my God. I know. I don't um, understand. Like, how much hate can you have, like, in your heart? Old people. Like, but And the I closest mean, person he was to was his grandmother. Could you imagine, like. <laughs> I've met people way more annoying than my patients. Like, you smell. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> but I've done it all night, so I'll kill you on my way yeah. home. Like, yeah. That's so strange shift. because a lot of them like want to hang around, kill to get the the glory or to watch them yeah. die, or to, yep. but he's literally like, no, just I won't just like I won't even leave. stay to see the fallout. I'll just inject yeah. this. And that's um, that is mental. In the investigation, they did exhume one of the bodies. I can't remember which one, and she also had high levels of insulin, right, um, in her blood system too. In October 2005, so three years after um, he was arrested, no, yes, after he was arrested, Norris was charged with four counts of murder and one count of attempted murder. Um, In March 2008, he was found guilty on all charges and he was jailed for life with a minimum term of 30 years. That's not enough. No. He's currently serving um, this sentence in a high-security um, prison. How is that enough? 30 years, that's not even 10 years for every person he killed. I know. Get this. <laughs> that's disgusting. There is a free Corin, sorry, free Colin Norris campaign <laughs> which believes that he never <laughs> committed the crimes. They are basically saying that all the women may have died from natural causes and they are challenging the prosecution's case um, with some claims, right? So they're claiming that an unrealistic amount of insulin would need it to have been injected to produce the results seen in Mrs. Hall's blood. They're suggesting maybe around a litre of insulin in what? order to get it. That doesn't make any um, sense. Uh, yeah, exactly. You could literally also, inject anyone with like 20 units of Novorapid and put them into hypo. Like, yeah, and he depend- was injecting I mean- large amounts apparently, like, he was sedating them with the morphine and then giving them. Mm. Anyway, um, they're also suggesting that maybe there was a rare autoimmune syndrome that could explain the blood test rather than foul play. <laughs> with a liter of insulin. Yeah, but like a rare autoimmune 
syndrome in all these people in one hospital on one ward. So, <laughs> um, and also that hyperglycemia naturally occurs in 10% of sick elderly people. So a cluster of cases would not necessarily suggest murder as prosecution had claimed. Mm, okay. Mm, I'd like to see uh, some research on that one. Yeah. So they put this case to the Criminal Cases Review Commission or the CCRC uh, for review in 2011 in the hopes that his conviction might be overturned. So they reviewed, they actively reviewed the case and concluded, um, this is what they said, as a result of new expert evidence, the CCRC has concluded that there is a real possibility that the Court of Appeal will decide that Mr Norris's conviction for the murder, attempted murder, of one or more of the four patients is unsafe. As regards, as regards the murder of Mrs Hall, the CCRC considers that this conviction depends upon support the other four cases and the prosecution ascertain that no one other than Mr Norris could have been responsible. In light of new expert evidence, the CCRC is satisfied that the, acetate, that the assertion is now less secure and that as a result there is a real possibility that the Court of Appeal will quash this conviction too. What? Mm-hmm. So it's been referred to the Court of Appeal in October 2021. Oh, so I can't find any updates after that. No, but there might not be. There's like risk that this new evidence of these uh, naturally occurring hypoglycemics or the amount of insulin or rare autoimmunes could actually be, it could make his um, guilty plea seem unsafe and therefore it may be overturned. But the fact that he, like, they were all his patients, like, I'd love to know how many of his colleagues' patients suffered from random hypoglycemic attacks. Like, he he clearly wasn't going, like, if he did do it, which, I mean, from what you've told me, I think that he did, but mm. if he did do it, like, he wasn't going to his colleagues' patients and injecting them. He was injecting his own patients that he had exactly. access to. Like, yeah. no one's going to ask questions. And if he's giving them morphine, like, there's a good chance they're not going to know what the hell's going on after that whether no, he's well, injected them with like, um, something else. Exactly. And I wonder whether it was like subcut, like how was, what um, sort of method of injection was he using? Yeah, I'm curious know. about that. But Interesting. But, yeah, what do you think is going like, to happen? Surely I don't know. Like there's no way that they're going to be able to I should justify. put a Google alert on him just to see if something <laughs> comes up. Well, and then it's <laughs> got to be like if it goes to, isn't it like if it goes to a certain court, like if it goes to a jury, it's got to be beyond reasonable doubt. And if there's reasonable doubt, then he'll get let off. Yeah, that which and is why it's gone to the Court of Appeals. Wow. So he's got like a Facebook page and a um, Twitter <laughs> page. To free. Like free Colin Norris. Oh, and I was like, do I really want to go down this like path? <laughs> and then I was like, maybe do I it. should. Yeah, like, follow it. <laughs> we should actually do a follow-up because, um, well, I was going to do somebody else today, but like her thing, they're going through so many appeals. Um, uh, and so then I'm like, oh, well, it won't be a good one for me to do. And it's in Italy and I had to like find English versions oh. of all the stories. <laughs> but just, it was too much work. So, um, But it'd be cool to find out like even if we touch base in a debrief one day about yeah. what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. See what happens so to him. interesting. 
But now I'm yeah. like, no, what if he's not a killer and we've wasted an episode? I mean, either way, <laughs> I feel like he's probably still a killer. Yeah, regardless. I think so too. But it's whether he's a jury dodgy can as be shit. convinced of it. How's like telling people, oh, every time I work night shift, someone dies. I know. People need to shut their traps. If like, you're going to kill people, don't yeah. tell anyone about it. Be like, oh, yeah, she looks like she's going to get sick about 5 o'clock this morning. <laughs> Boom, sick, choking. Ah. Oh, righto. <laughs> it's like um, I watch a lot of serial killer um documentaries and the cops are often like we just have to wait for him to slip up like mm. the killer like because yeah. often they do themselves in anyway yeah. and they make it easy yeah. to be found and now a bit more about nursely nursely is a nurse owned company on a mission to inspire nurses to prioritize self-care and ultimately shift the mindset of nurses to put themselves first nursely is the first of its kind in australia a chic brand solely dedicated to providing self-care products for nurses their compression socks are a simple product that not only allows nurses to express themselves under a strict uniform code, but also provides a functional way for them to take care of themselves whilst they take care of their patients. And some of the benefits include improving circulation, aiding in preventing varicose veins, reducing leg fatigue and swelling after being on your feet for eight plus hours. There's heaps of fun designs such as unicorns, cactus, pineapples, rainbow hearts. And Nursely has given our listeners $10 off any of their pre-made bundle packs with the code HUMORIS10. Head to www.nurselystore.com. That's N-U-R-S-E-L-Y store.com. Okay, what about your lovely I'm glad. Killer? I'm glad yours was <laughs> relatively short because mine is like, it is a shitstorm of crazy like I can't even I can't even explain to you like when I found this woman I was like you're my girl so this is the story of Kristen Heather Strickland which then she got married and she was Kristen Gilbert so she was born on the 13th of November 1967 to parents Richard and Claudia she was the oldest of the couple's two daughters in what appeared to be a well-adjusted home so apparently totally normal family like no traumas that could be attributing factors to why she ended up being a killer so um throughout school and high school like super smart she finished high school a year and a half early um she was an attractive girl like a relatively normal good life right um except people found that she was a pathological liar and um, she told her friends, so this was in one of the stories, she told her friends that she was a distant relative to Lizzie Borden and I was like, oh, some American celebrity. I Googled her. She's an axe murderer. She yeah. was <laughs> she's an American woman <laughs> who was tried and acquitted of the August 4, 1892 axe murders of her father and stepmother. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was she, um, I've listened to podcasts on her, like right. it's hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> so Kristen tells people that she's a relative wow. of this axe murderer, like while she's in school, <laughs> like the strangest thing. And she also managed to convince her college roommates that her mum was an abusive drunk, and that wasn't true either. Um, apparently while she was at college, so she enrolled into pre-med and then um, when she met her boyfriend she um, changed to like another college and then uh, she tried to, she like attempted suicide because her ex, her boyfriend broke up with her and she told him that she'd swallowed glass 
And oh. so then all these, like, <laughs> she went to hospital and everything and it turned out it was a lie. And then the, the college was like, you need to have psychiatric treatment. And she's like, I quit. I'm going to go to community college. So then she went to community <laughs> college and became a nurse. Yay. Oh. <laughs> so later that year, she marries her new boyfriend, Glenn Gilbert, um, who then she would have two boys to. And in 1989, she landed a job at Northampton's Veterans Affairs Medical Centre. So uh, basically just nursing uh, male veterans. Uh, And so she distinguished herself early on. Like people would say that she was super skilled and um, really competent. And she was the kind of person that remembered everybody's birthdays and organised the Secret Santa, Kris Kringles and like other staff events and stuff. So look, she was well-liked. And in uh, 1990, they had their first son. And then after returning from mat leave, she switched to the 4 p.m. until midnight shift. Oh, God. In 1993, she has a second son and then she comes back to work. And when she comes back to work, she starts developing a friendship with a new security guard. Um, He was a Persian Gulf War veteran, James, I'm going to say it's Perot or Peralt. I'm going to say Perot. Um, and in the autumn of 1994, they like from casual flirting and whatever, they basically, um, start an affair and co-workers would say like that they were so just like unprofessional and just lots of PDA and, (laughs) and, um, it was also around this time, like while she was sort of having this flirtation with James Perot that patients started having unexplained cardiac emergencies and many of those resulted in death so and because it was a rule at the veterans hospital that when um, there was a medical emergency the security guard or police officer whatever they called them had to attend to provide assistance so then she would get all these opportunities to be quite heroic whenever there was arrest and then capture the attention of this handsome stranger Anyway, so she's still with her husband at this point. And um, that November, so in 1993 after she um, has her baby, um, then in the November she starts poisoning her husband with diuretics. (laughs) And then he he experiences what he thinks is gastro and he's admitted to a civilian hospital, right? And then he's found to be severely hypokalemic and he's treated and discharged without a follow-up. And Kristen goes around telling all of her friends, like, I can't believe he was discharged without a follow-up, like potassium. And um, anyway, a few days later, so he's discharged from hospital. A few days later, Kristen comes home from work with two syringes, like an empty one and then one with a clear fluid. And she's like, I'm going to take a potassium level for you. And um, I'll get it run at the hospital. So mm. um, she, and then she tells him that she's got to flush his vein first before she takes oh. a sample. <laughs> that old so, chestnut. <laughs> and this came out like in the um, prosecution. Um, this is from like all the um, trial documents. So her husband agrees because he's like, oh, well, you're a nurse and you yeah. know what to do. Yeah. So she injects Trust- him trusting. with a- yeah, exactly. She injects him with the clear liquid and then he reported that his arms and chest became numb and he tried to pull away but she pinned him against the wall and continued to inject. Oh. He loses consciousness but comes to and survives without any, like, intervention. And his wife says that, um, well, you fainted because of the needle 
And that, like, so he never reported it because he thought that was true. Like, he he's like, oh. <laughs> he was like, oh, um, obviously, like the numbness and the um resisting, and then she kept going, and then he fainted. Like that was the story that he believed. Um, but it it was alleged by the prosecution that it was actually potassium that she yeah. injected him with. Um, but she wasn't officially charged with it because it wasn't never reported at the time, and it only came out when um they were getting which later they get a divorce. So when they were getting a divorce, it all came out. Isn't a so, divorce easier than killing them? Like I just, well, I'm like, do we, let's separate, I'm having an I'm, affair, let's kill him rather I'm, than just let's divorce him. Like, mate, I just fucked, wait, it gets, it gets so much better. Like it's, it's fucked. So um, her boyfriend, Perot, at the hospital, he says, you need to leave your husband or I'm leaving you. So she leaves her husband and her two kids and gets her own apartment on the 1st of December 1994. And um, anyway, at the hospital, all these random cardiac arrests, a lot of these people would survive, but a lot of them would also die. Um, these are all escalating and it's um, they're thinking that she's been responsible for as many as 80 or more deaths and um, possibly over 300 medical emergencies. So in 1995, so the, and this is all happening on her shift, like she's the only person responsible and then she makes all these heroic efforts to try and save them and um, every time she does it, her boyfriend rocks up and gets to see her be a hero. Mm. Um, then in 1995, three nurses, John Wall, Kathy Ricks and Renee Walsh, report concerns that um, Gilbert could be involved in all of these um, emergencies and that they've noticed there's been a marked increase in the use of epinephrine. So mm. that prompts an investigation by the Office of Healthcare Inspections of the Department of Veteran Affairs. <laughs> what a name. Um, and they come up with nothing. They said there's no reason to believe that any staff member would have any involvement in these events. Epi- right? Epinephrine's just adrenaline, isn't it? It is, yeah. So it's the yeah. um, synthetic form of yeah. adrenaline, yeah. Um, and then... Uh, a, like a police investigation starts and Kristen quits her job, right? <laughs> <laughs> she says, oh, I'm injured. I'm, I'm out. myself at work. I'm out. Then so, so early 1996. Too much CPR. No, exactly. Yeah, hurt my shoulder <laughs> doing compressions. So um, criminal investigation starts and this is where shit just gets batshit crazy, right? So uh, she ends up being convicted for the death of, Four of her victims all uh, admitted with things other than uh, cardiac problems, like all of them are generally fit and well. Um, Her last victim, it looks like, was in February of 1996, Edward Squeerer, a 68-year-old man. Um, And then she makes a strange confession to her boyfriend saying that she's killed someone, right? Then he quickly dumps her gets a restraining order and talks to the cops then he has to speak with the police about her um while the investigation's going on at the hospital as well and then Kristen phones in a like fake bomb threat to the hospital um Ugh. when when Perot's working and she'd been harassing him like after he broke up with her she basically just starts harassing him and she also um, attempted to obstruct the investigation and she was charged with, um, with what is it, um, obstruction of justice or whatever it is, and yep. um, tampering with a wit- or harassing a witness. 
Um, so she temporarily blocks his car in his driveway while she's pleading with him not to go to speak with oh, the cops. And he then, has a choice. No, I know. And then um, and like to not comply with all the investigators that are going on at the hospital and whatever else. And he basically says, you're off your fucking head. And then she follows him and then while he's being interviewed at the cop station, she vandalises his car. <laughs> So fucking stupid. Oh, yeah. Psycho ex-girlfriend. Right. So and then um, so then the bomb threat happens and she gets like arrested and charged over the bomb threat because they figured out that it was her. And she'd fully gone and like bought a um a voice disguiser machine oh. thing, like to make yeah, she's fucked. And then um so yeah, so obviously that was to try and divert attention away from the murder yeah. investigation. So she was sentenced to 15 months in prison for that and then wow. was, like, told to get psychiatric treatment. Then somehow, so then she's officially indicted for murder and um, they exhume people's remains to test them for epinephrine. And I think um, in the end she was... Um, well, she was sent to prison and then they let her out and said, you better um, go. So they put her into like a psychiatric hospital. And then when she came out of that, she went back to prison and then they let her out and said, oh, how about you go and live with your parents? I don't know how the fuck that can even happen, like while she's um, awaiting trial for murder. Anyway, then <laughs> the trial begins in 2000. So she, this is five years after she was like pretty much yeah. the killing spree was like 95 to 96 mostly. Um, well, that was what they um, managed to charge her with, um, yeah. the murders that she com- committed in that year. But there were murders being committed like from 93 up until she resigned in 96. Um, and, and that's a shitload. Like imagine how many. That's a lot. Like and she's only come back from mat leave. Who knows what she was working at. But like if you work out up to 400 emergencies and and a third of them resulting in death like that is yeah that's that's crazy huge um so anyway indicted for murder and she was moved to uh she was moved to hamden county house of correction and the trial begins and then her ex-husband testifies against her Ooh, and um, actually, and well, then he says that she confessed to some of the murders, which to me I'm like, why oh. wouldn't you report that at the time? Like it was, oh, fucked. oh God. Anyway, <laughs> so um, the case consisted of more than 70 witnesses and 200 pieces of evidence. Um, she was found guilty of three counts of first-degree murder, one count of second-degree murder, and two counts of attempted murder. Those were just the ones that they could prove. Like, yeah. um, And then I think she ends up being charged later with another person's death and I think two more uh, attempted murder. So she gets sentenced to four consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole plus 20 years. Um, and she was here plus 20 years. What the fuck? Uh, Gilbert was transferred from a federal prison for women in Framingham, Massachusetts, to a federal prison in Texas where she's remained ever since. She dropped her federal appeal for a new trial because the U.S. Supreme Court um, had ruled that it would have allowed prosecutors to pursue the death penalty. So she was like, no, nah, maybe oh. I'll just stay in prison. <laughs> I reckon in Texas the death penalty would be, is it still happening? Probably absolutely yeah. would have been. Yeah, for sure. I think death row's full, mate. <laughs> Get in line. <Yeah. laughs> 
So yeah, fucking. I just need her as the nurse, the prison nurse. Death row would be empty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just create like I feel. I really oh, do. Wow. I mean, we laugh. We laugh because if you don't, you'll cry. But I'd really do feel like one of her victims was thirty-five. Like, oh, and yeah. I think he had the flu. Oh. And you're like the and these are also I think. I'm possibly her penalty was so severe because they were also like veterans, like they'd fought for her yeah. freedoms, and yeah, and she's killing them. Like it's pretty fucked Ooh, up. Oh God, but also, sorry, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But um, oh man, she's officially my favorite murderer. She just had it all going on. She and like she tried to kill her husband. She had an affair. She like, <laughs> you know, she did it all. She was. She was crazy. Yeah, she's gone for it. A bomb Pretty threat, funny, man. Though. That made me laugh. I, I know she got put in prison for the bomb threat. You'd be like, yeah. fuck. <laughs> that was miscalculated. And her poor boyfriend, he really thought, like, he really thought he was onto her. He thought this I is thought a... She was like a full hero. Look exactly. at her go. What and a shit she magnet, but she's says, good at it. I killed someone. And yeah. he's like, oh, fuck. Bye. <laughs> and then he would have he, he looked around going, Fuck. So all those people that I saw you try and save, you tra- actually tried to kill. Like, that's and fucked she, up. And they could have been, like, doing it to impress him. Well, that's so, like, that's what they... um the motivation for it. Well, Imagine can I that. tell you, that's actually what the prosecutors, um, oh, like, alleged was that her motive was to gain the attention of this guy. Well, it worked. Yeah, well, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> only for a couple of years and then she left her husband and ended up in jail oh my god and her poor kids like oh, yeah she be... just left her kids yeah i know fucked hey fucked Do but I... you think if you if you're growing up telling people you're related to an axe murderer and you're like proud of that ding like, ding ding yeah, flag red flag. City. <laughs> <laughs> oh crazy. i love these episodes me They're too i just fucking love the crazy, crazy. and i feel like we love stuff we laugh, but we're laughing at them, and we we often are laughing at their clear stupidity. Like, yeah. Um. Oh, oh! I forgot to tell you the best bit of that whole story was one day she went to her manager and she was like, "If my patient dies, can I go home early?" And they're like, "Yeah." <laughs> and then the guy died. <laughs> to go home at like two o'clock or whatever time <laughs> five o'clock <laughs> fuck so funny like oh, as if as if could you imagine kelly could you imagine <laughs> if sarah come up to you and said can i go home early if this guy croaks it in the chair and you go yeah okay yeah, like as sure, a joke no and yeah. then he croaks it and she goes i'm off i'm off to get oh, my nails done hey yeah <laughs> Oh, as that's if, so funny. Could you imagine, as a manager, would you sit there and be like, well, that's a coincidence? In your PDP, <laughs> you'd be like, now you've got to stop leaving early when the patients die. <laughs> <laughs> if your patient dies, I want you to stay here till the end of your shift. Yeah. Debrief with the rest of the team, thanks. Honestly. <laughs> honestly. But, also, you know, I'll, yeah. why are these people given chance after chance? I had two sick days when I was on placement. And I was told, if you don't make them up, you won't graduate. No. And that fucking Norris, he had like whole placements off and they were still like, mm-hmm, all right, good job, you graduate. Well, and let's he was be like honest, a, you don't learn anything arsehole. as a student really, well, not much. 
Like if you think about it, you probably learn like 5%, not even, maybe 3% of what but you why do learn they, yeah. on the job. I also need to stop joking about killing people with insulin because <laughs> that's how I always say if I was to kill someone, a bit of insulin in the hairline. I feel like no you and I are always. they're going to know. I feel like we're always giving out tips on how, how these people could have been better at being serial killers. <laughs> Like if you're going to kill someone, don't tell people about it. And then someone at home sitting there going, I'll write that down. (laughs) Someone on night shift listening to us. (laughs) Spread it out too. Don't do it all in like bang, 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 bang. So they're like, well, let's be honest. Eight shifts and you had eight deaths. (laughs) Let's be honest too. We're just giving out serial killer hacks here. Um, (laughs) If you think about (laughs) hacks for serial killers, if you (laughs) What I was trying to say before you lost your shit (laughs) was that your bloke, Norris, like he made a few mistakes. Like he Mm. was complaining about being unlucky and then, you know, maybe, oh, and, and falsifying like records and stuff. But also like think about how many people they often have to kill hundreds of people before anybody notices. Or I know. kill like like they have to kill a lot of people yeah. before anybody notices. Like that that to me is Well they string fucked. them together and be like, mmm. Yeah. Is there needs a to be some, some sort of online database where they like <laughs> track when patients die, like who were the people on their shift. And then when that happens like three times in a row and it's the same nurse, maybe a little alert should come up or something. When I first started nursing back in 2001, I was I worked with this bloke called Nick and he was like fabulous. Like I loved him to death. He had like dreadies and he was just amazing. He was such a nice guy. Anyway, I swear <laughs> to God we worked every shift together for a fortnight and we had about four patients die on our shifts. Like, oh God. And that was back in the day when you used to have to like wash the body and Ugh. prep the body and write their name and put a toe tag on and wrap them oh, in plastic Christ. and put them under the shroud like it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, What's a shroud? Like a plastic wrap. Oh, like okay. A, yeah, like we used to, yeah, it was. See, it was, my nursing is of the age where you just leave them. <laughs> yeah. You and I guess them the look country, pretty, you might tidy their hair up and you just leave them. <laughs> and in the country when you don't have a morgue and you just call the funeral directors direct in the city and they, just come they go them. down after the family's left they go down to the morgue so you have to wrap them up and prep them for the morgue yeah and I reckon Nick and I had done it four times in a fortnight and I was like <laughs> I cannot work with you again like we, something's gonna, gonna come stop asking here. questions yeah. <laughs> in hindsight I'm like mm, we're a cute ward too like you know I wonder I mean I didn't do anything obviously and I'm no, sure Nick didn't either but you um, shooting? Yeah, it was like, <laughs> wonder where he is these days. <laughs> Sitting behind a jail cell. <laughs> nah, no. he was too like he was very um he was very chilled. Yeah, he was great. That was good. I miss doing these. It's been a little while since our I last know. one. So I was thinking I that it. um you know we've had a lot of guests on lately. I'm like, oh, yeah. we really just need to have an episode just me and you and get back to the roots. Yep. Um, back to the crazy people. 
Yeah, I do love these episodes. I still, I'm adamant that when we get famous and picked up by some amazing distribution deal that we'll start a spin-off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Um, make sure true crime. <laughs> exactly, nurses who kill. Uh, make sure you're following us on Instagram for all the latest things we are doing. Uh, uh, it's at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast. And please, please, please like, share, follow, get alerts on your Spotify, Apple, whatever it is, because that's how people can find us. We need to beat those algorithms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never really cared much about the algorithms, but apparently it's a thing. So It is a thing. Yeah. And Spotify still eludes us. So uh, mm. give us a rating, a good one. We don't Spot- want a shit rating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Five stars or less. Yeah. Tag us in your posts, your stories, whatever it is. Tag your mates. Tell a friend if you love the podcast because we love it. We do. So you should. You can send us an email to our new email, hello at twohumorousnurses.com. It's humorous like the bone, H-U-M-E-R-U-S. Send us your stories, your feedbacks, who you might like to hear from. We'll see you next time. Mm. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye.